we hold these truths to be self-evident. That all men are created equal. That they are endowed by their Creator with certain inalienable rights. That among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Those timeless words come to us from Thomas Jefferson and the Declaration of Independence. This broadcast will be released on July 4th of 2022. So today on the dojo, freedom, the founding of this country, and what it means for civil rights for people with disabilities. Welcome to the dojo. So on this July 4th, more than almost any other, I really am thinking about what is the meaning of freedom and liberty. And it just seems to be all around us uh, in, in, in terms of almost everyone having a consensus around our freedoms are being taken away. And for good cause. And people can be on opposite sides of any ideological issue and be claiming the same thing. And finding this, say, in the pandemic, you know, people want to be free to not wear a mask, free to not be forced to take a vaccine. And some people want to be free from contracting COVID. Um, There's been some rulings lately from the Supreme Court where, you know, some people want to be free to do what they want with their bodies. And some people want uh, babies to be born free. There are so many different issue areas that we could talk about where people are arguing freedoms. I want to have the freedom to smoke, uh, but some people want to have freedom to breathe clean air. You know, so freedom is this very interesting topic uh, that's so important and certainly is the foundation on which our country was found. And a lot of people are feeling like it's being threatened and it is seeming to be something that in order to have freedom, it seems to be a constant struggle and challenge and to something that is a virtue that needs to be worked for uh, no matter what side of any kind of ideology. So it takes me back to the founding of the country and I'm not a history teacher. And so my recollections of how it was founded and, and perhaps meanings of it are gonna be clouded. But from what I understand in 1776 in June, there was a resolution that was brought forth to, at that time, what would be the equivalent of our Congress, to declare itself free from Great Britain. And at that time, there was a lot of debate on that resolution, but the resolution was to declare each of the uh, colonies as independent states. And this would be an act of treason against, at the time, the strongest, mightiest military of its time. And it was decided that with that resolution that a committee of five people draft up justification for it. And I don't remember everyone uh, on that committee of five that it famously got dubbed as, but it was, I believe, Thomas Jefferson, Adam Smith, Ben Franklin, uh, Mr. Sherman, and uh, somebody else. But uh, this committee then came back to that Congress on July 1st with a drafting of what would become the Declaration of Independence. 
and they debated it and on July 2nd ratified it. And this was an act of treason. This was basically a death sentence for everybody that was committing to this declaration, which I read part of there at the beginning that was fam very famously quoted. And certainly debatable, you know, even in, in the world today, in the country today, we can argue, you know, are really people created equal? There's certainly probably controversy on the creator. Uh, there's certainly controversy on what it means to pursue happiness. Are we guaranteed it, et cetera? But nonetheless, this was something that was put into motion, even though at the time uh, Great Britain had assembled its largest you know, royal navy force to, to go, and, and they were offshore at the time. And so this was a real threat to really stand for something that had never been declared before in the world. There wasn't any government out there or anything else of the kind or sort of nature saying that people should be equal and independent and have these freedoms and without the tyranny of government and et cetera. So a quite revolutionary idea and one that, you know, really people were putting their lives and their fortunes on the line for and to really be something that would put the ball into motion for the country that we have today. So being that this was signed on July 2nd, why do we celebrate July 4th? as our time for independence. I'm, I'm gonna, if I do well here, I will end by answering that question from what I understand it to be. I'm not sure, again, I'm not a, I'm not a, a historian. So um, that was put into motion and uh, I will take us then, uh, my historical recollections, to July 1st of 1863, in which Pennsylvania and Gettysburg, the, the Battle at Gettysburg, which 150,000 people assembled to fight. A battle that lasted three days where seven million bullets were fired. After that battle, that three-day battle, 51,000 people lay dead. Comprehend that number, 51,000. So one out of three people that fought that battle died. 51,000 people in three days slaughtered Americans, killing other Americans, brothers against brothers, brothers against fathers, fathers against brothers, neighbors against neighbors, slaughtering each other for their interpretations of freedom and what liberty meant. The Vietnam War killed nearly 60,000 Americans, sadly, over a 10-year period. This was nearly that same number in three days. It changed the whole landscape of the Civil War at that time. It was argued that this is the battle that really turned the tide. So much carnage out of this battle that it was decided that there needed to be a national cemetery created for the dead. And then November 17th of that same year in 1863, there was a dedication for this cemetery. And at this dedication came arguably uh, one of the world's most, to this day, quoted and uh, known speeches, the Gettysburg Address. Everybody knows about Lincoln who de delivered his portion of that address, but many people don't know that Ed Everett uh, delivered a two-hour speech. Supposedly he was one of the best orators uh, of the time from memory 
um, and accounted all the different types of information historically that led to that moment about freedom. People supposedly were weeping, had people on their edge. Uh, That's a nod to him because most of what many people know about the Gettysburg Address comes from Abraham Lincoln. And he talked about, of course, the famous words of four score and seven years ago. So four score and seven years ago from 1863 was was 1776. This time where I began with, with the drafting of the Declaration of Independence. And that quote by Jefferson. And what Abraham Lincoln, before we get into the Gettysburg Address that followed the four score and seven years ago, what Abraham Lincoln, who was instrumental in, in giving freedom to then people who were enslaved, had to say about Thomas Jefferson that he was a man that under this immense amount of pressure to draft a document that was basically a death sentence for him was in and of itself the beginnings of the struggle for independence. This act of treason against the number one military in the world was something that required what he called of Jefferson the coolness, the forecast, and the capacity to do something, to introduce a truly revolutionary document with an abstract truth that was applicable to everyone, everywhere, at any time. I'm going to come back to that and see how it relates to people with disabilities. But an abstract truth that all people are created equal, that is applicable to everyone, at every time, anywhere. So Abraham Lincoln, after saying fourscore and uh, seven years ago to bring his point back to the time of the Declaration of Independence and giving this Gettysburg Address, had to say that America, and it is up to us, the struggle for freedom. He, he, said, he asked this of all the Americans at the time, at the dedication. That he said, freedom, it is, it is for us. It is for the living to be dedicated here to the unfinished work of those who fought so nobly to advance its cause. That it is for us here, the living, to be dedicated to advancing this great task. The way that I read that is that freedom, there is no finish line to to fighting for freedom as we see it. And that it's a noble task. And that it has been something that has been put onto us by those that have come before us. That it is their ideal that they put into motion. And it's unfinished work. And we have the baton now to continue this work. And it won't be finished when we're done with it either. And we'll have to hand it on to someone else to continue this work of freedom. It is a struggle, will always be a struggle, and it will be bigger than any one of us. And to advance its cause and to do it nobly, I believe, is the American ideal. We may not agree with the government. We may not agree with the politics. But it is the ideals that I believe really unite us, the United States, united people, no matter what race we are, no matter what ethnicity, where we come from, no matter what our age, 
no matter what our disability classification or not having a disability, no matter what we identify as, no matter where our orientations are, no matter whether we're tall or short, skinny or large, no matter what it is, to be able to have these ideals, to celebrate this day as a unity of a people, I believe is a very important thing, not just celebrating a government. But yet it is this notion and it is this ideal that I also want to tie in to the struggle for civil rights for people with disabilities. It wasn't too long ago, within many of the people's lifetimes, that people with disabilities were institutionalized. And it wasn't until the 1973 Rehabilitation Act that people with disabilities finally had laws to help ensure that they can live in the community to whatever extent possible and not to be institutionalized against their will. And many things had to happen before that freedom was gained. So in 1971, there was a camp in Upper State, New York, called Jan Ed. And in Camp Jan Ed, a documentary was made about this, by the way, Crip Camp. There was a group of young kids, young adults, that came together for summer camp. And in that summer camp, they found freedom and they found liberty to be themselves. They were able to create a community where they supported one another, where they could be free from stigma, free from some of the tyranny that they were experiencing. And through that bonding and through that freedom, many of those campers and camp counselors went on to be revolutionaries in the civil rights movement, some of which helped to pass the 1973 Rehab Act. Some of those camp counselors went on to stop traffic 50 of them in Manhattan to protest the fact that the city was not accessible at that time. They were stopping traffic with 50 people, wheelchair users, who were not happy and expressing their desire to have freedom to get on the sidewalks, to get onto buses. When the police showed up to take them away, they realized they couldn't. Their vehicles were not accessible. Made a big statement stopping traffic in Manhattan, one of the busiest intersections of it. They also were able to make a statement about getting the buses to be accessible. By when a bus would come, they would position themselves in their wheelchair in a way that the, the bus couldn't move. They couldn't get on the bus, but they could stop the bus and draw attention to that. In 1977, many of these campers and, and counselors in the camp did a sit-in in San Francisco protesting the lack of freedoms in the workforce and in schools and again in the architectural environments in which many of our cities were built in transportation. It is believed that it was that sit-in in 1977 that finally led to the passage of the Americans with Disabilities Act in 1990 signed by then President Bush. It might seem like a long time and it, it maybe is for many people but freedom is something that takes a long time. It takes a lot of people to fight for. Wouldn't be possible if it wasn't for the ideals signed into a resolution and declared 
and a long justification known as the Declaration of Independence. Those ideals that were fought for in our Civil War and taken up in the 60s when Ed Roberts said he wanted to go to Berkeley, California, but it wasn't accessible. He had to fight for it, starting the independent living movement, giving birth to the 1973 Rehab Act with laws to get people out of institutions and then keep them in the community so that we could have our freedoms. Freedom is a struggle. It takes effort. Democracy is not a spectator sport. As disheartened as we may be, if the politics or the way the government is operating is, I do not believe it gives us the right to give up on it and to stop the struggle for what we believe in. It can be very easy to be disheartened. I get that. And it reminds me of a story that I was told about a person, a man who lived in New York. Um, he lived in a, an apartment building where many youth who were hanging out outside would look up to him because on his way to work, they saw that he was working, one of the few people in this community that, that was able to have a job. And he would pass them every day. And they looked up to him. And he felt a duty to, to do his job well and to, to lead by uh, example. And one day when he came back, one of the kids that really looked up to him and he was a mentor to uh, was murdered, shot and killed. He was so disheartened and heartbroken, he wanted to give up. He wanted to give up what he was doing and pursuing and being the role model that he had, seeing that many of these kids who didn't have some of the freedoms uh, were living under discrimination. Uh, he was feeling that whole weight of not wanting to continue that struggle of doing what needed to be done to be the role model, to be the example. And, and the next morning, after not sleeping all night, he walked out into the street, and there he saw another tenant of the apartment building. And it was the mother of this young man who was shot and killed. And without saying anything, she just opened up her arms to him. And he ran across like a little boy across the street and just fell into her arms crying. And she gave him the words that he needed to carry on, to not give up, to not lose the faith. And there in that moment, he thought to himself, who am I to give up this struggle when so many others did not themselves give up, who had more reasons to give up. There's a lot more people out there that have done more than we have and that have not quit. So we can't quit either. Standing up for what we believe in, it's not easy. And there's many times where I myself feel like giving up uh, against these forces that seem to be bigger, that uh, you know, things can happen that continues to dishearten me. And at the same time, I rely on thinking about others who have risen to the occasion, who did not give up, had more reasons to give up, but never did. So one of the campers in the documentary Crip Camp is Judy Human, amazing advocate, who her herself came over as a daughter of immigrants from Germany 
after World War II. Her grandparents were killed in the concentration camps. And she had polio. And her parents at that time were struggling to raise her in, in a you know, time where they didn't have a lot of the, the things that we now have after the ADA. Neighbors wouldn't even walk you know, in front of their house. They'd go across the street to walk because they were scared of catching the polio that she had. And the doctors of Judy's parents said to them, you know, you could just put her in an institution and have your life back, have your freedom back. You could do this, you know. We can put her in an institution and you can go on about your life with the freedom that you may want. They said no. Thank God they said no. Because Judy became one of those counselors at Crip Camp. She became one of those people to protest in Manhattan. She became part of the movement that led to the passage of the ADA. And it was because her parents had decided that they weren't going to put her in an institution to gain the freedom, perhaps, that they would have being untethered you know, from having to raise somebody with limited resources that people need to live independently. So freedom is this funny thing that while giving up certain freedoms, we gain certain freedoms. And the fact that they were free to raise a daughter that went on to do these things, to me, underscores what July 4th is about. So why is it celebrated on July 4th? when the declaration was signed on July 2nd. I don't know, but I do believe that perhaps it is connected to that battle at Gettysburg that started on July 1st, a three-day battle, which ended on July 4th. And so it's my hope that on July 4th, that instead of disdaining our country for what it's not, for for. You know, I, I don't want to be there looking at all the things that are terribly wrong with our country. And there's a lot of things that I do believe that need to be corrected and I'm disheartened about. Rather, I want to celebrate the diversity of people in it and the ideals that we all are created equal and that we all have the ability to pursue happiness and that these are truths that should be self-evident to everybody, no matter what race, no matter what, you know, male or female, how we identify, what our ages are, whether we have a disability or do not have a disability. That for me, at least, July 4th will be celebrating the diversity of this country and the ideals that we can all live united in freedom and in liberty and that understanding that there's a cost to it that it does require us to stand up for what we believe in and to do what's right. Because this life that we are seeking, a life of independence, requires sacrifice. It's not easy. It's not supposed to be easy. And it hasn't been easy for all those that came before us to put us in this position, to keep advancing the ideals of freedom. These ideals that I believe if we can put into practice, not be put off on the sidelines saying I give up and I go throw my hands up into the air, 
will take us to a place that is better than we were yesterday, tomorrow, a place that will be onward and upward. Happy July 4th. Thanks for listening to the Independent Life Podcast brought to you by the Center for Independent Living of North Central Florida. If you like what you hear, please rate, review, and subscribe. And if you know anyone who might benefit from listening, share this podcast and invite them to subscribe too. For questions, suggestions, or if you have a story you'd like to share, please email us at cilncf.org at gmail.com or call us at 352-378-7474. Thanks for joining us. Until next time, support, advocate, and empower each other to live the independent life.